0: Thank you, Jeff. That's a great old song. It has wonderful meaning, guys. I thought uh, this morning as we're getting into this study on joy, I thought, boy, we should start out this morning making Baptist kind of uncomfortable. I mean, we're kind of out of the comfort zone this morning, aren't we? I looked up here, you had Roy coming up here putting his putting his money on the altar. We baptists, that's tough stuff, man. I thought maybe that's an idea for a stewardship campaigner by bring the wallet and stick it right through them all. And and then, you know, Thomas has us clapping, man. Baptist preacher well, some have rhythm. Huh? My kids when I start to dance, say, Stop, please stop. So you know, but isn't it good that we can just be real and be loved? Anyway, we're looking at Philippians one, first eleven verses this morning. As Paul opens up his heart to this church that God used him to begin 10 years prior. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 as we look at the first 11 verses. And when you find that, I ask you to stand in God's honor as I read aloud. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus said Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving and prayer, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, how can we not worship you and how can we not find a smile on our faces when we think of your gifts, Lord. How wonderful you are. And as Paul looks back at how you blessed him, Father, and the relationships that you built in his life, the result was joy. And I pray this morning as we look at these opening remarks of an aged missionary to a people he misses and a people he loves and people he'd love to spend some time with. Speak to our hearts, God. Remind us that the most natural thing in the world is a smile that comes from a heart that sees your blessings and your gifts around us. Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're talking in this series what Paul says approximately 30 times, joy. That there is joy that is to come out of our lives and and that joy is, is not just based on Good looks, although I know some of you are, ah, you know. And some of us, okay, we won't go with there. Uh, there's good looks, or a good job. Man, what a job I got you! Of course, I know a lot of times we don't talk like that, do we? I love my job! You know, or, or money. Isn't it great to get money if you need it? Maybe see Roy. No, leave that alone. Um, and, and just nice stuff. You know, all that, we think, all, all that is, is, is maybe where there's happiness or maybe where there's meaning. But it's not there. It's not even in our age, what age that we are. God gives a joy regardless of the age or stage we are in life. I remember a lady in one church, I was at Bonnie Wells, such a, she, she's such a blessing. And I went up to Bonnie one time at church, and I said, Bonnie, how are you today? At this point, I think she was in her early 80s, and she said, Pastor, I am doing great. She said, if my legs worked as good as my tongue, I could run a marathon. <laughs> you know, don't you just love people like that? And there was a comedian, I read a bunch of her books a few years ago, Barbara Johnson, I don't know if you remember Barbara Johnson. But she was a lady that had tremendous pain In her life. And yet she decided. Made a decision. She was going to approach life. Regardless of the storm on the outside. With his joy that comes from the inside. Listen to John 16.33. Jesus words. I've told you these things. So that in me. You may have peace. In this world. You will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Um, Listen to this summary of her life that I found when uh, looking at one of her books. Barbara Johnson's a strong Christian woman who relied on her faith in God and her sense of humor to persevere through many devastating experiences. Her life was plagued by a string of tragedies. Her husband was in a near-fatal accident, slowly recovered from debilitating injuries. Her uh, oldest son was lost in Vietnam, another son to a drunk driver, Her third son was estranged from the family while pursuing a homosexual lifestyle. But she emerged from these experiences having learned that though pain is inevitable, people can choose to pick flowers instead of weeds. She also battled in the last part of life, as we know here, with cancer. I just want to share some quotes uh, from this remarkable lady. Patience is the ability to idle your motor when you feel like stripping your gears. Haven't we all been there? Um, No one likes change but babies and diapers. Very true as well. There's only one way to deal with misery. I say avoid it. Man, I am right on board, you know. And she says here, I have to stop saying how stupid can you be. I think people are starting to take it as a challenge. (laughs) Man, we all had those feelings, hadn't we? So how, how do we maintain the joy? Well, as we'll see in this passage of Scripture, it comes from a confidence. But it's not self-confidence as we're, you know, so often here. It's really God confidence. It's in a confidence that's beyond merely what I can do. It's a confidence that comes from God himself. And so as we start through here, looking um, at our outline, we want to start with a greeting here. And, and notice how he opens. He says, Paul and Timothy. He begins, he doesn't just merely... Talk about himself, but he talks about Timothy, who they remember as well. His faithful sidekick, his son in the faith. And how does he describe he and Timothy? Not as celebrities, not as those famous missionaries who are out doing God's work with fervor. But he describes he and Timothy as servants. Matter of fact, Timothy's name means he who honors God. And the word servant is one bound to another by constraining cords of love. So as he as he thinks of these people, as he describes himself and as he describes Timothy, he says, man, I, I'm connected to you with a cord of love. I care about you guys. You guys are on my heart with a reckless abandon and, and, and I long to be with you. And notice what he how he describes uh, these people, <laughs> to all the saints in Christ Jesus of Philippi, together with overseers and deacons, even the pastors and deacons, I include you guys too. <laughs> but he says to all the saints, everybody there. Sometimes we get this idea that a saint is that person who's super spiritual, you know, who who reads the Bible twenty four seven and. You know, has big calluses on their knees. And, and those are good. I'm not saying it's bad to do that stuff. But the point of the matter is, when he talks about the church, he's not talking about a specific few in the church body. He's talking about everybody in the church. Who's a saint? You and me. You see, a saint is one who is consecrated to God, just like your car, your van, truck, whatever you drive. It's consecrated to get you here this morning. That's how you know we got here this morning. Set apart, make your alarm clock consecrated to get you out of bed if you to sleep, so you get up and get ready and be able to be. It's it's a set apart for something. And, and what it means to be a saint is simply that you've come face to face with the love and forgiveness of God, and you are consecrated. You are set apart. To make Him look good. To make Him shine. To elevate Him to the world around you. That, that's the saint. That's who He's talking to. Not just a select few of, quote, church leaders, but to everyone who has been touched by the transforming, beautiful, forgiving grace of Jesus Christ. That, that's what He's talking about. And notice as He describes this, He says in verse 2, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is talking about something that none of us deserve. It is a favor that he bestows upon us. Not because of our performance. But simply because he's chosen to love us. (laughs) And peace is something he does in us. The word peace means to bind together. And it's a picture of Him. Binding within us a sense of confidence that God loves us and He's in control. And it also binds His people together. He's saying, God, he, He's guarded my heart and, and He's put within me this confidence that God is faithful. And that He's there. And He's also put a confidence in me that He's in you. And that together He's doing something beautiful. Something that should allow a joy to flow out of your life. Um, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 in the King James, it says... Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So the picture is, God, when I look to you, I can see. When I look at me, I stumble. And in you, there is that everlasting strength upon which I can rest. So so he moves to that opening greeting, and then he comes to a joyful thanksgiving, and Notice how he expresses that. He, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. <laughs> he's, he's moved as he, he thinks about those that he'd love to see. <sighs> he says, in all my prayers, the, the word is it's speaking of general prayers. He, he says, as I pray, God brings you to my mind. And, 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 and I, I think about you guys and I cherish you. He says, I always pray with joy. There's that deep smile that comes across his face. And, and, and what does it come from? Well, notice what he says in, in verse 5. He, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What's he say? He, th- he says, And I look back and I think about how you walk with Jesus. I think about that first day. I think about that moment that the gospel came alive to you and you understood that you were a sinner and, and you needed a Savior. And so you said, Jesus, enter my life. Forgive me of my sin. Give me a new start. And at that moment, you were transformed. He says, I look back to that and it brings a smile to my face as I remember God's precious work. But then he says, until this time, you're still walking with Him. And man, it's powerful. You didn't just have this experience and then disappear. You know, like the like the pastor that, that said, man, you know, um, I can't figure out how to get rid of these bats. I've called the exterminator and, and, and everything else. And so he called a church down the street that had a problem with bats in, in their attic. And he said, how'd you get rid of them? He said, well, I baptized them and they're gone now. You know, hey, it, the, the point is God in His work it, it was faithful to continue through each of them and it, it made the difference. Made the difference. You know, I think back when this church started, we talked about this in church council and guys, you may have a heart for this, love for you to be a part of the planning of this. But in September, we want to have homecoming, but like a Founders Day. And, you know, back to the seventies, want you guys to pull out the seventies stuff and, and and put it on and, and dress up and come and, and to be a part of that. And we want to celebrate. God's work as He began King's Kingsway Baptist Church. And, and there's value in that. And, and, and we want to remember that. We want to cherish that. And If you want to be a part of that, let me know. I, you know we need people to help with that. Uh, getting a hold of people and everything else. But we don't want to just remember back to where the work began. We want to live now in the moment. We want to experience God now. We want to feel His presence. We want to see Him move. We want to see Him work, and and, and we want to believe that He's going to do great things in the future through us. And, and as He looks back, He says, "This is the kind of people you guys are, and that's why I love you because of your partnership." I look back to that day you were saved. I look back to that day the church began. I look back and see God at work, and it's still going on. Hey, that that's that brings joy. That brings joy and life. And notice verse 6. What a great verse. Being confident of this. Not not self-confidence. God-confidence. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See the two words. uh, He who began. It's that picture. It didn't start because of me. It didn't happen because I got it together. It happened because God saved me. God worked in me. And then there's that picture of, He's going to carry me until I'm with Him. Till I go to glory. Till I go to heaven. He's going to finish this, what He started. It's not a matter of me finishing it. He's going to finish it. And that's the beautiful picture there. You know, three joy stealers that often plague us one is worry. Worries when we focus on what may or may not happen. How much time have we lost worrying about what might happen? I've been guilty of it. Well, this might happen. Stay up at night. What if this happens? Oh, God, don't let this happen. And it never happens. Well, and and not only worry, but then there's stress, and that's the intense strain over what we can't control. You know, I've said for years we're all control freaks, and we find out at some point there's very little I control, if anything. And that's where stress comes. It's like, oh, God, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And and, and, you know, man, you give yourself an ulcer. Why? Because it's just self-confidence, and we forget about God. And, And then the third one is fear. You know, there's this intense uneasiness of... Oh boy, it's going to happen. You know, I'm going to hit rock bottom. It's going to fall apart. I love the story of the man who was a Christian. He had built a big business that was very successful, but he was plagued with worry. And finally he said, God, I've got to give this to you, or or I'm just going to be a nut. I'm going to be a basket case. So he said, God, this business belongs to you. Two days later, he got a call in the middle of the night from his business partner It said, Quick, drive down here to the business that's on fire and burning down. So he goes down the place and his partner's like, Oh man, what are we going to do? He starts screaming. This guy just starts laughing. He says, What is wrong with you? Are you a nut or something? Why are you laughing? He said, Two days ago, I gave this business to God. If he wants to burn down his business, then it's his. Now I realize that's, you know, you say, Well, that's extreme, Pastor. But you get the point. What we have, we're stewards. We don't really own it anyway. And, and so if we go ahead and give it to God, as Cord Ten Boom used to say, it doesn't hurt so bad when God has to wrench my hands free. You know? Uh, as He works uh, in us. And sometimes that's how He gets our attention. Sometimes we're just so stubborn that we will not listen to His voice. And, and so catastrophe comes so that we're forced to look up. Because there's nowhere else to look. And sometimes that is the way that he works. Notice as as he goes on in the text here, he says, uh, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. He says, Jesus binds us all together. We share a bond that is powerful in Christ. And then verse 8, he says, God, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And that word of affection, I want to get a little you know, gross, but it's really the word intestines. And, and you know, in, in the ancient world, the idea of deep emotion was, you know, my, my, well I grew up in the mountains, we used to say my stomach's tore up, you know. Stomach ache, you know, or just like, oh, you know, I feel sick, and it, it's because you just feel so strongly, you know, it it affects affects your stomach. He says, "I love you deeply, deeply." Um, we we experience that kind of stuff far too seldom. John Powell, in a in a book he wrote uh, entitled "Who Am I?, a book I read in college, he had five levels of relationship. The first level was cliche, and you know that's where you say, "How are you today?" When no one really wants you to tell them, you know, because it might take a while, you know. You know, or or uh, don't you just love the weather? Or don't you just hate the weather? You know that cliche, that very superficial level. The next level is reporting facts. It Goes beyond cliche, but all you're really doing is just giving the facts, (laughs) nothing personal. The next level is ideas and judgments. This is where you're a little vulnerable. This is where you're able to share, well, this is what I really think. I may disagree with you. Get ready. Ouch, you know. (laughs) And then the next level, level two, which 90% of relationships never get to, is where you share your feelings, where you become vulnerable enough to really share your heart. And the top level is intimacy. That's when you're honest, really honest and it's very rare because we're afraid that we'll be betrayed or we're afraid that some someone's going to you know stab us in the back and, and 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 that's you know but that's the deepest level I um I could share a couple stories but when Lydia was in college she did an internship in um, Richmond area uh, working for a political magazine And she was trying to figure out where to stay. And at one point, we served in a church there. And I thought of this couple that, man, they're family. I just, I love them. You know, I got to thinking about them. Harold and Nancy Bailey. So I called Harold and Nancy, and I said, you know, my daughter, she's going to be working not too far from you. And I, I said, you know, could we pay you rent or something to let her stay with you over the summer? Are you kidding me, they said. You tell her to come up here, you don't pay us anything. So Lydia's like, I don't remember them. She was, you know, she was a little kid, and we were, said, I don't know. I said, I looked at her, I said, honey, these people are family. Sure enough, she fell in love with them. They have a huge garden. She'd go out, pick stuff in the morning, eat fresh vegetables. Came time for her to go to back to college. They invited her to a family reunion in West Virginia, so she got up there to be part of their family. And and I remember we went up there one time to see her. I went to Harold and Nancy's, and there was another couple, uh, the Slossers. Dear friends of ours, they're Mennonites. And hadn't seen them in years, but we sat in this room together and and we just poured out our hearts to one another about some stuff that's kind of vulnerable. And there was some emotion, some eyes, you know, got a little wet. And I felt God. Now, you just don't do that with everybody. You do that with the people that you feel safe with. With the people that you know really love you. That you can trust. And, and and that's intimacy. And and that's the kind of stuff Paul was talking about with these people. You you guys are kinfolk. Not just in the Lord, but to my heart. To my heart. And, and then one last thing here. The specific praying. Oh my goodness, 12 o'clock. How's that happen to a preacher? Oh well, sorry guys. Alright, specific praying. Uh, look in verses 9 through 11 here. Um. And this is my prayer. Earlier, when the words prayer was used in verse 4, it was a general way of praying. Now, he, he says, here's specifically how I pray for you guys. This is a beautiful prayer, by the way. He says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So he says, guys, this is how I pray for you. First, that your love. How will all men know that? We are followers of Jesus, His disciples. By the way we love one another, right? Jesus said, what's first and greatest and second greatest commandments? two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. It's that kind of love that is agape love. It's unconditional giving type. of. And He says, I pray that that type of love will just grow and overflow out of your lives. And, and, and you know, that's that's like a joy popcorn, man. It's going to explode among you and just come right out of the pot, you know. And um, as he shares this, there are boundaries. It's kind of like a river bank, you know. And, and, and there's the bank of the rivers that contain the, the river as it flows. And, and those riverbanks that contain that love are knowledge... And, of course, the knowledge of God is revealed to us in the Scriptures and by the Spirit of God as we walk in faithfulness to Him. He says that knowledge, that's one of the river banks. The other riverbank that is mentioned here to hold in love is depth of insight. In other words, he says, I pray that you grow in a true knowledge of Jesus Christ through the Scriptures and a faithful obedience to Him and I pray that you are able to discern what is best. You see, love is not just some ooey, gooey, gushy stuff. Well, I love everybody. And, and and uh, you know, we just got to be all sweet and, you know, and, and just accept everybody. And it doesn't matter what you do. you're You're just wonderful. That's not what he's saying here. It's a discerning kind of love. Does it match up with God? Does it match up with His truth? Because if it doesn't, it's not love at all. People are going to get hurt. And, and so He says, I want your love to grow in this fashion. I want those riverbanks of true knowledge and of discernment to, to grow. So that they hold in the love of God in, in a way that it's directed for the purpose of God. And that's where He goes from here. He goes to verse 10. So that you may be able to discern what is best. And may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Uh, that word Discern. Or prove it. It speaks of uh, it speaks of the importance of, of discovering God's will and God's plan it's it's a term that means to sift or to test a certain thing and to recognize its worth it it's a term that was used when one in that day was studying to be a medical doctor and he he had to pass that exam to prove that he was able to make the right decisions and and that's what paul's saying that you may approve god's perfect plan That you may see his heart, that you may know his will, and that you may follow him. And and notice what he says here, that the result of that is that you'd be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. That you'd be people who walk with Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Don't you want to be filled with Jesus so he just leaks out of you? That's what he's talking about. And I want you to see here as as we wrap this thing up. Filled with the the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Amen. When that's happening, there's God's joy. <laughs> Let me wrap this thing up with a couple of truths. Um, confidence brings joy when I focus on the things for which I'm thankful. Verse 3. You remember what Paul said. I thank my God every time I remember you. May we remember for what we're thankful. Secondly, confidence brings joy when I let God be God. Verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began, that's God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Remember that I'm not in charge, God is. And joy comes when I stop trying to arm wrestle God and defeat what I don't understand. It's so hard not to do that when things don't go my way. You know, I say all the time, I, I told God my opinion, but he doesn't seem to care. <laughs> you know, kind of joking about He knows better than we do, guys. Uh, third one, confidence brings joy when I keep love within proper limits, as we discussed in verse 9. Those riverbanks of knowledge and discernment that shows us God's plan Hudson Taylor used to say, It's not how great the pressure is, but whether or not it comes between you and God. So, here, as I wrap this thing up, a challenge is uh, choose joy this week. Think about your choices, think about your thoughts, think about where you are. I know there's that temptation to start worrying. I'm going to do this I'm gonna do this. I know there's that stress' that says, oh man, I'm getting an ulcer, I'm getting an ulcer <laughs> and i and I know that there's also that temptation to just fall apart, but it's not about self confidence. I encourage you to say, God, I'm gonna rest in that confidence. you started this, and you're gonna get me through it, and I'm gonna trust you. And I'm going to walk with you. But where that starts is understanding that I never could fix it. It's up to God. And that's really where the Christian life starts, guys, as we close, as we get ready to have a response time. I can't solve this issue of my mess by myself. I need God himself to do the work that is needed. And that's what we call the cross. That's why Jesus, who was without sin, ended up dying a really grotesque way upon a cross, crucified. Because sin had to be paid for. You and I were not able to, to resolve the issues, so Jesus took upon Himself our sin and exchanged that for His righteousness. And we don't want anyone to leave here without hearing that message. And he just wants you to come clean, man. To be honest and receive that grace. And he will give it. Because that's his heart. He loves us. He's not the God that wants to hide his love from us. He's the God that wants to give it to us. So don't leave here and miss that. Let, let's pray. Lord, uh, as always, Father, we're so grateful for you. Grateful for the joy you provide. As we've taken time to look at Paul's opening to people that are precious to him, Lord. I thank you for these people here who are precious to me. And Father, we're, uh, as you say in your word here, it's a partnership in the gospel. We're in this thing together. So, Father guide our steps father keep us in those river banks of knowledge and discernment that the love of god may flow through kingsway baptist church your people here to a world that's hurting and that they might hear that there is living water available to quench a thirst that can be quenched in no other way so father how do you want to work at a you know the altars open a chance to make decisions right where we are to, or to come and and, and to pray uh Here and Father, just what do you want? We just ask you to work whatever it is because we need more than just self confidence, we need God in Christ's name. We pray, Amen. Amen. Let's stand.